facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. Pleasant. Good morning to everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Coles Brown Show, right here exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown. We'll be joined by co-host Charles Edmund. Here's what's coming up on today's show. The guest menu looks like this. Charles Edmund joins us in a matter of only minutes, seconds actually. Uh, we'll visit with Coach Van Petaway. Uh, here on the Carlos Brown Show. And then last but not least, 
Willer Brown will join us. He's the sitting athletic director at Fort Valley State uh, University. Here's simply what's trending on the Carlos Brown show. Southern University releases their 2023 football schedule. And I tried like you know what to get Coach Banks last week, the director of athletics at Southern, to uh, I gave him an opportunity to drop it, but he he did not drop any information. But but that schedule is out. We're going to get to it uh, very shortly. Also, Southwestern Athletic Conference basketball race continues to heat up right now, as of today, February fourth. On the women's side, JSU is in control, number one. But there is a log jam at number two. Count them, several teams, four, uh, that are battling for that second place uh, position. On the men's side, Southern University continues to lead the pack. But as always, I'm going to state this. It is going to go down, I think, to on the men's side, to the last playing date. On the women's side, I think it's still going to be very competitive. And who's going to get that second spot? Who's going to still challenge Jackson State for the first spot? So the swag basketball race uh, continues. <clears throat> National signing date and college athletics all across the board, football in particular. Um, looks like uh, every team in the conference in the Southwest Athletic Conference upgraded. And I simply look at it as this. You have needs and you have wants. Needs should come first. And I think all across the board, even in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, teams uh, elevated their programs. They've, they've done a, a good job. The SWAC Roundup uh, 2, day one, the Lady Jaguars lead in the bowling competition for to one. They won four games, lost one. Uh, they lost to Texas Southern, but they defeated Alabama AM, Alabama State, JSU, and Gramlin State. And then last but not least, congratulations, kudos to Ricky Weeks and Roger Kador, National College Baseball Hall of Fame. They're going to be inducted tonight. Um, congratulations, Coach Kador, a tremendous record, an ambassador for college baseball, Ricky Weeks, many awards, um, went on to uh, Major League Baseball, played with a couple of teams, drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers, and now he's giving back to the sport that he loves. That's Ricky Weeks. That's what's trending on the Coles Brown Show. Charles Edmund, good morning to you, sir, and the lovely confines of Alcorn State University. Good morning, Carlos. Glad to be back home for an important two-game stretch starting today with one of the most improved teams in the SWAC on the men's side is UAPB. You know, that was a team that was not in the conversation. You know, you look at and rank the teams prior to the season, but UAPB's playing well. They got a couple of good scores, and uh, we're going to have to come with it if we're going to stay in contention for the regular season title. Well, UAPB gave Southern University their own loss, the only loss on, on, in conference so far on the, on the men's side. So uh, it's going to be a very, very competitive team. Um, last weekend, Saturday, uh, Southern Alcorn State, of course, Southern University, 
uh, with an 80 to 68 victory over Alcorn State. And Charles, a- a- as I listen to the game, um, I think free throws hurt Alcorn State uh, tremendously. And, and, and listening to you on the broadcast, um, 36 to 30 at the half, very competitive first half, uh, very competitive second half. And uh, these two teams really get after each other. It was chippy all game, a lot of emotions. Then uh, guess what about what, three seconds left, Charles? Um, you had a little ruckus. And, um, you know, watching what happened, um, you know, about three seconds left, the game's over. Southern has won. And uh, and this is what I saw. Um, all-court state player stuck his hand out to congratulate the Southern basketball player. And instead of, you know, just dribbling out the clock and shaking his hand, he went and slam dunk uh, the ball. And, of course, that set off the emotions. And, and, and I try to put myself in, in, in both positions. If I'm all corn, I'm ticked off. You know, is it sport sportsmanship uh, for Southern University? The emotion uh, just got the best of the player. And um, to me, if I'm the coach, and, of course, I'm not, and I see what has happened. Uh, we win in grace and we lose with grace. And um, he would have got a verbal tongue lashing uh, from me. And then the benches get involved. The, uh, the, the coach, Bussy, the coach that he is, he's tough. He sticks up for his team. He gets into it, I guess, with uh, Coach Woods. And I guess he was saying, hey, that wasn't called for. Uh, but a, a very good basketball game played, but to have it, uh, have that happen, I cannot condone that. And I'm sure people will disagree with me on that. Well, it's kids. It's the motion of it. Um, that wasn't called for. Uh, I, I didn't like that, Charles. But other than that, um, a, a, a well-played game and very competitive and high-spirited. Um, listen to you and Coach Bussey in the post game. Um, he was he was just upset, and uh, hopefully he has calmed down a little bit. And, and and listening to him, Charles, he said he's got to have better control of his emotions. You know, very noble of of, of Coach Bussy, and I and I like Coach Bussy, and I like Coach Woods. Um, both are competitive, competitive coaches. But um, boy, you, you kind of hate to see that. Your, your thoughts, Charles? Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, it was a really good basketball game. The, the hype and the buildup, you know, the days before, you could just kind of feel the tension for the game because it was a first-place battle. If you go back a year here in which, you know, Southern had the lead late in and they let it get away. So, I mean, they obviously were, were, were stinging a little bit based on what happened here last year. But then this first-place battle, Southern was hot. You know, we were hot. And – yeah, it, we didn't do a good job from the free throw line to start. We started one of seven from the free throw line. We lose by 12. Uh, we, we missed double-digit free throws. That was one of the big stories. Uh, Whitley obviously got off uh, 27 points, uh, and I got to give him a lot of credit. He had two or three big threes with a contested hand, shot clock winding down. That's basketball. That happens. I mean, if you guard LeBron James for 23 seconds of the shot clock and you get a hand in his face and he elevates it, he hits a 28-footer against the shot clock, you just got to shake your hand and give it to him. So Whitley carried that team. Um, there were some 50-50 balls. 
loose balls that we didn't get. You got to get your share of those in any game if you want to have a chance. So, you know, Southern did what they needed to do. They hit big shots. They had extra possessions. They had big possessions. Did we help them by missing free throws? Yes, we absolutely did. Um, and that was a huge story. Now, as far as the ending of the game is concerned, yes, it got chippy. It got physical. It got emotional. And I think that the officials, to be honest, let the game get away from them a little bit. There was some chippiness on both sides, and the officials did not do a good job in, in handling it, I thought. Um, there was a goaltend in a key moment of the game in the second half that they didn't even go back and review. I mean, uh, something like that, you can always go back and review it and look at it and either keep the call as is or take two points off if you if it's not a goaltend. So that was something that was that, that I looked at. But then the ending of the game, I mean, clearly Southern was going to win the game. You just take the shot clock violation or run the clock out and shake hands and and go about your business. We've seen this happen before in the NBA. It happens. A team is up 40 and a guy dunks the ball in the final seconds. I mean, and the team is on the losing end. They get upset about it. That's not good sportsmanship. It's not the way it's supposed to happen. And I just think for Coach Bussey, I just think the buildup of the team losing – some calls, the physicality, the officials kind of letting it get away, and then that final that final possession there just kind of set it all off. Now, Sean Woods did say after the game that, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen. He was not happy about the way that happened, mm -hmm. especially that final possession. He did come out and say that. Now, I don't know if the two coaches talked to each other after the game or, you know, in a day or two after the game. I don't know if that happened or not. I doubt it. If I'm just going to take a wild guess, I doubt it. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we, we had some chances early. We are down 17. We cut it to three, and we just couldn't get over the hump. And Southern just made the tough, gritty plays that they had to make down the stretch to pull away. Whereas Texas Southern and Prairie View, the other games that we came from behind, um, we made those plays. Southern, we made the defensive stops. Southern made plays, so you have to tip your hat to them. Um, but I have a feeling we'll be seeing, you know, each other again in the tournament. And the and the interesting thing is, and it just you could just see the build up for it. I mean, there's a lot of basketball in front of both teams, but you could just see that I think Southern and Alcorn clearly the best two teams in the league, along with UAPB. Those are the top three teams I think right now. But you got to give Southern credit. I mean, they to me, and I text you this the other day. Watching the Jaguars run and gun remind me of the Ben Job days. Running and gunning out in transition, hitting threes. Um, if there's one thing I would say about Southern University, it's their post. Their post game, I think, hurt them a little bit. They had some cracks at the bucket, some layups that they missed. Now, we contested some of that, but, you know, their post, uh, not as much active. They're, they got a lot of active posts, but in terms of scoring um, and, and defending, I mean, you know, we had a guy, Wade, that was going to dunk the ball, and he had it blocked. And then we turn around, and we block a guy that was going after it. So I think Southern's post got to continue to improve there. But Southern made shots. They made plays. They made stops. And they hit their free throws. We didn't. Got chippy. Got emotional. Got physical. And at the end, you know, you got to chip your hat to Southern University. But now, let's see. Let's see what they do now. You know, they're out in front. They, they're on the Alabama swing this weekend. It won't be easy. Won't be easy here either. So let's play on and see what happens. And, and for the Jaguars, they shot 54%. We're talking about the men's team. 
um, in, in, in the Alcorn State game, 54%. They've continued the hot shooting. Now, <clears throat> you mentioned about the post play. And, you know, if you kind of look at basketball in general, I don't want them to be them being Southern University. You know, some games, those shots are not going to fall. So I always like to start inside out offensively. But if you continue to shoot that well, that's fine. But what happens if you're not able to, you know, you have an off night, you have an off day. So uh, the the post play, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it because, Traditionally, Southern has always been, a, I think, an even kill team. They can play inside well and they can play outside well. Breon Whitley, as you sp- spoke, 27 points. Fedis Nudama, uh, 17 points and, and seven boards. And, and I believe he, I want to say he was a player that got into, you know, at, at the end of the game. Um, with um, the poor sportsmanship, but uh, 5,798 fans, uh, one of the better crowds uh, on, on, on the season. Um, on the women's side of that game, uh, Southern University, boy, a hard far victory, 65 to 62 uh, over Alcorn. Genovia Johnson, simply put, put the team on their shoulders. Also, Amani McWayne with some uh, key uh, three-point shots. She finished with uh, 13 points, free throws, man, Southern shot 40 free throws. If you look at it and they made 23 from the field, 35%. So, you know, third is one, a 33%. So a little bit over a third of their shots, but uh, Genovia Johnson and um, Amani McWayne, the difference in that ball game. And, and, and Charles, I'll just say this. It seems like all corn women, um, maybe not the most talented in the conference, but they work hard and they play hard. And, uh, and you're just kind of looking over their record. They've lost some close games. They've had some games that got away from them. But traditionally, traditionally, Southern Alcorn women, it's always a tough battle, three-point victory by the Jaguars. Yeah, if you had told me, if you had posted that score 65 to 62, just put the score on the whiteboard. I would have said Alcorn would have won that game, 65-62, because Southern is not a, an offensive juggernaut. They're not even averaging 60 a game. The Lady Braves can get up and down. They can score. We've seen that. So if you put 65-62 on the board, Alcorn versus Southern, you probably would have said statistically that the Lady Braves would have won that game. But Southern won the game. And they won it for various reasons. They got some timely shooting. And for the first five minutes of the game, Southern couldn't throw it in the river. And yeah. for a 10-minute stretch from the third quarter to the fourth quarter, we couldn't either. I mean, we had a nine-point lead, and then Southern went on a 26-5 to run, and that is what has been our undoing this season, even in non-conference. We go through stretches offensively in which we cannot get anything done offensively. And that is troubling, and that's something we're going to have to continue to work through. And I think if you look at that drought, you look at that rut, that let them back in the game and they gave them the lead. But then we come right back. We come right back and, and, and make it a game. And, and then we miss some free throws down the stretch. I mean, you got to give Southern credit for, for, not, for not wilting because I think the way that they started the game, if the Lady Braves had any, any sort of offensive continuity, they could have been up 20 easily. And the game would have been over, I think, because Southern is just not a team that scores. So you got to give Southern credit for, for being up 
de defense is where Southern gets it done. They got some height in the post to be able to limit shots. They contest. And when they get in a little rhythm offensively, they can be a little tricky team to deal with. And I think we saw a little bit of that in each one of those aspects on Saturday. As difficult of a loss that was for the Lady Braves, that was one just like Alabama State and A&M right there. We go through those droughts and uh, another close loss. And But but we did bounce back against Grambling. Glad to see that. And the thing is, we might see Southern again, maybe in the semifinals, maybe in the first round. It depends on how things shake down because the Lady Braves right now are in eighth place, could move up in the next week or so. So, hey, th those were two good games on Saturday. Great crowd, as you mentioned. Didn't know it was 5,000. I guess I just didn't look up at the look up in the stands all that much. But to, to have 5,000 show up, I thought it was great. I mean, just like Prairie View, Texas Southern last week, I saw the uh, the, the uh, Moreland Court. That place was packed. So, you know, we, we get good crowds for our big rival games, and maybe attendance is increasing. We've talked about that. But uh, I, I think for Southern University, they did what they had to do. You went at home, and now we'll see what happens as they go to Alabama this week. Always tough on the road, but, hey, if you can get a split, that's what you set out to do. If you can win both games, that's a, a tremendous, tremendous asset. We're going to come back to basketball, but um, – <clears throat> on one of our trending stories uh, was the Southern University 2023 football schedule. And what I would like to do, um, most schools in the conference, they have introduced their schedules. So we'll start putting up um, each team's uh, 2023 football schedule. Uh, but for Southern University, what kind of uh, stands out? Uh, you remember last week I kind of – Talked about Southern starting maybe the first game of the season in Alabama. Well, they're going to do that, but it's a non-conference game, but it counts overall. Uh, Alabama State, uh, September the 2nd in the Labor Day Classic. Then uh, you got the Pete Richardson Classic um, against Jackson State. Now, it, it, it doesn't count on uh, as a conference game, but it counts on the schedule. And Melody, if, if we have that, you can uh, put up the uh, 2023 uh, schedule. But now, we'll, we'll stop right there, Charles, because I kind of hinted that I had heard, um, you know, the conference put out a uh, an announcement that Southern and Jackson State, they roll off the schedule, but they're going to continue to play. So that game was going to be played in Birmingham, right? So that fell through. And, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of things. Well, the guarantee. And matter of fact, um, at, at the recruiting celebration, Coach Banks talks about that. Um, the guarantee for Southern University wasn't what it's supposed to be, and I guess for Jackson State as well. So they decide to move the game back to home and home for the next two years. So Southern University has uh, Jackson State in the Pete Richardson Classic September the 9th. So Southern starts off the first two weeks. Alabama State on the road in their Labor Day Classic should be a tremendous crowd. And then Jackson State. Look, you don't have to say any more. You know what I've said over the years. That is the most intense rivalry. It's not Southern and Grandma State, in my opinion. It's Southern and Jackson State. And Jackson State has had the best of Southern the last few games. But, Charles, at least we forget uh, Southern former coach 
Coach Odom's had tremendous success against Jackson State. So those count in the records. But um, playing in Baton Rouge, home and home, I would think the uh, Southern business community, oh, I say the Southern business community, but the business community around Southern University and in Baton Rouge are happy about that, and, and as well as Jackson State's uh, business community. I get a chance to uh, spread those dollars in the community. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're playing. Um, you know, the whole Birmingham thing. I know the conference was kind of in the middle of that, and you know, just the the amount of money that was thrown out there six months ago when you heard about it, you were just kind of wondering if that was going to happen or not. I mean, you kind of heard whispers behind the scenes that it may not happen, and that's exactly what has happened. It didn't happen. But, you know, I'm glad that those two schools continue to play, even though they roll off each other's schedules. No, the game doesn't count in the SWAC standings, but I think there's some games, Carlos, in which it really doesn't matter. If, if they're playing on the football field, it means a lot to a lot of people. I think Southern and Jackson State is one of those games. I think Alcorn and Southern is probably one of those games as well. Um, so, I mean, I think Grambling um, and Grambling and Jackson, I think, would be another one. I mean, if even if it didn't count, I think it still means a lot in terms of people who follow the SWAC and just fans in general of SWAC football. So I don't think it really matters. Yes, it's early. It's week two. So you get a really good test. Bama State's a team that is on the rise. They won the MIAC SWAC Challenge last year, A.D. Robinson Jr.'s second year. And then you can home and play Jackson. State a good start, I think, for Southern University. See where you are. It's not like your first couple of weeks, you know, and then you just kind of just let it roll off. But these are two games that you can possibly win if you play well, and then you feel good about your season early in the season. You know, typically, like us, we open uh, with USN, even F, and then McNeese, kind of where we would land in that in that mix. But with Southern schedule, you you kind of know because you're playing teams you could possibly beat. You know, the first couple of weeks. So I think it's a good I think it's a really good schedule for Southern to start. And uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, because there are questions. Who's going to be the quarterback of Jackson State? Who's going to be the quarterback of Southern University? And I think those questions will be talking about it throughout, you know, with the signing period and all that. We'll see. But I think those questions will lead to games like this will continue to elevate the hype and build up for both of those games. Well, I'm going to talk about that as well time permits um what are we looking for as far as southern's uh quarterback as of course Bashawn mccray uh in the transfer portal i i haven't seen where he's at a uh he has a new home yet um but southern university uh, they, they recruited two outstanding freshman quarterbacks and lest people forget noah Bolton, a three-star quarterback is in the Southern University football program got there last year. Um, I'm I'm willing to say, and then Southern brought in a transfer from the University of AB, Alabama, Birmingham. I'm willing to bet that, in my humble opinion, I think Bolton. It's I think he if he gets a start going into the fall and the spring, I would not be surprised just from things that I'm hearing. Um, is starting off very well now, a year in the system, knows the playbook. So it'll be interesting. A lot more to talk about with that. Let me get through the rest of the schedule. Um, Alabama A&M, September the 16th. Alabama A&M comes back on Southern schedule. That's in Baton Rouge. Then 
Um, September the 23rd, there's a buy for Southern University. Then September the 30th, uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff on the road at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Then October the 7th, FAMU comes to Baton Rouge. So you're looking at the first four or five games, very attractive games, but also uh, tough games. Then October the 14th is homecoming, uh, Lincoln University out of California, who will be playing a couple of Southwestern Athletic Conference teams. They're on FAMU's schedule. So for for particular Southern University alums I talked to, um, they weren't happy about having Lincoln on the schedule, but I don't know if it'll make you feel better. Um, that team is playing in a couple of uh, uh, SWAT games. Lincoln University. That's homecoming. October 21st at Bethune-Cookman. And you're already hearing, will that game be in Jacksonville or will it be in Daytona Beach? We will see. Then October 28th, Texas Southern. That's home for Southern University. The last few years, they played in, in a classic in the Dallas area. Southern fans that I talked to are very happy that that game they don't have to go to Texas, <laughs> hopefully in, in the near future <laughs> as well. But that's a that's a home game. Then November the 4th at Alcorn State. That's always tough going on the reservation. November the 11th, uh, that's Prairie View and m at home. Senior Day and Military Appreciation Game. Uh, a 2 p.m. game uh, by November the 18th. And then the 50th Annual Bayou Classic at 1 p.m. So that's the schedule, Charles, a very attractive schedule. And I know they, you know, you have these two early predictions and all that. Not going to get into that, but a, an attractive schedule. The highlights is going on the road, the first game against Alabama State, playing Jackson State at home, also finally getting Texas Southern at home, back to home and home, and um, and then having Alabama and them on on the schedule so uh, a very attractive schedule yeah i mean you you want to play as many home games as you possibly can you know at the fbs level seven is a standard you know if you look at lsu's schedule you look at teams in the fbs they they are dead set they want they literally have to play seven home games you know in our conference probably not that we can get six no. some years five most years some years four, years four, just depends on how the schedule falls. But if we, if you can get five home games in this league, five home games a year, then I think you're doing really well. And I think for Southern, very attractive, you know, because again, there's a lot of questions going in, and you want to have these home games to be able to to get some things done. So I, I you know, me as someone who follows Southern closely, I'm. Me and said, Hey, you know, we're playing, we're playing you guys Labor Day weekend. I didn't know that until I got a call a couple of weeks ago. Charles, Charles, you're breaking. Oh, there you go. You were breaking up. I, I, I heard you say something about Southern Miss, and I couldn't make yeah. out the other part. 
Okay, yeah. Um, so, you know, Southern Miss, I, a friend of mine from Southern Miss called me and said, well, you know, we're, we're opening up against you guys. I didn't know, you know, who we we're playing to open up with. I thought it would be Stephen F. Austin like we did last year, but it's Southern Miss and our band will be there. Our AD talked about getting that game, by the way, at the signing party the other day. And, you know, glad to get that. We set a record crowd over there the last time we were there. It'll be even more people with Tyler Macon, this highly anticipated quarterback we have. And USM, a bowl team from a year ago. They're not the same old USM team that, you know, two and nine, three and eight, four and seven. They made a bowl game last year. So it's going to be, it's going to be rocking down there in Hattiesburg. Uh, but then, you know, we got Stephen F. And then we have McNeese. Three tough games to start, but then once we get into it, we got Southern coming to us for the first time in a while. Grambling's coming in um, and Prairie View. So I, I think for all of our teams, from what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a, well, a pretty attractive schedules, especially at home. And, uh, you know, we'll see because there's so many questions, more questions this year than there was last year. We're looking for stability. We we, we, we don't have it yet. You don't. Who's the quarterback at Southern? Who's the quarterback at Grambling? Looks like Calvez will be that guy. I mean, who's the quarterback at Valley? Uh, I mean, so there's there's a lot of questions, and I think with this schedule, you can kind of see how things round out. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, from the player personnel perspective, who does what, who who's going to be out in front in the spring. I'm just looking forward to all of that. You know, I was having a discussion, and you look at it. I mean, we often talk about um, very athletic quarterbacks. We've used the term dual threat quarterbacks. To me, Macon fits both of those categories, a very athletic quarterback and a, a dual threat. But having a discussion, and, and I think even Coach Sanders, uh, oh, yep, that name, uh, mentioned it. In this conference, I think now you've got to have a quarterback that's accurate and can spin it, who can throw it. You know, athleticism is okay when something is not there. You have the athleticism to be able to make plays. But I think most of the emphasis have, have been on athletic quarterbacks. And, and, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm going to be watching to see if the trend now goes back to guys who can throw it. The first priority is to be accurate and be able to throw the ball. And then if nothing is there, then be able to make plays with your legs. Um, I'm, I'm just going to be interested to see, will we see that starting to develop within the, uh, uh, the conference and college uh, of football? Um, we've, we've had our fields, uh, in, in my humble opinion. Uh, you look at Southern University, the, the last couple of years, Sean McCray, I guess more athletic than an accurate thrower. Skelton, of course, more athletic than a accurate thrower. And then you look at Bubba McDaniels, who you would say his best traits are that he was a guy who can put make every pass through it and I, and I think that's where most Southern University alum and fans that I've talked to are still hottest fish grease they feel that that should have been the quarterback all of loan and based off what you saw they have a legitimate argument but I don't want to go into quarterbacks this and that because ultimately it 
that decision goes down to the coach and coaches who see them in practice, who's with them every day. That, de- that decision, Charles, is on those coaches. And if they make it, they have to live with it. So to wrap it up, I want to see if the trend will eventually go to quarterbacks that can spin it, that can throw it, that can make every pass, can go through their reads. Not so much the first prior to looking at a quarterback that's very athletic. Because you have an athlete back there playing quarterback. I want a quarterback that's who's a quarterback that can spin it. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll take a quick timeout. Um, there's also, uh, I want to get the information for the, for the Southern Knights. Um, they're, they're, they're signing a day. And, and, and a lot of times now it's not as dramatic as before because, Charles, you have an early signing period. Um, some schools have commitments early on, so about time February the 4th comes, the traditional signing date is not as much, uh, you know, excitement because you already know. But um, it is important, the recruiting, and you want to look and see the mixture of high school athletes, transfer portal, and junior college uh, athletes coming in. So you see a mix of that. And also, Coach Pettiway will uh, join us very shortly. Uh, we'll, we'll go into some more of the Southwest Athletic Conference basketball. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return. Um, I get the now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Yeah. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. For my people that don't get to see me, trying to remind you who you are just like in Romans 3. See, we about to blow across the world just like the latest breezy. This motivation for the people and this classic Bible teaching say, hey, this for my people that don't get to see me. Trying to remind you who you are just like in Romans 3. See, we about to blow across the world just like the latest breezy. This motivation for the people when this classic Bible teaching say, hey, 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 Motivation.
The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's like a loot machine. Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the Law Office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Now joined by the coach, Coach Van Petaway. Coach, good morning, sir. Good morning, Carlos. I'm happy to be here, man. Get ready for another uh, great week of squat basketball. 
Oh, you have that look in your eye. I wonder why. Is that because <laughs> Southern is in Huntsville today, a part of that Alabama swing? <laughs> well, yep. You know, the, the dog pound, uh, they're rattling the cage right now so that the dog pound will be home and ready to go. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less because, Coach, um, Southern on the men's side, Leading the conference on the women's side, Jackson State. Um, we'll get into a, a little bit of that. Um, last week, me and Charles talked about it. I, I guess the game of the week uh, last week, last Saturday, Southern and Alcorn State coach. Um, Southern uh, wins the ball game, eighty to sixty-eight. I'm not surprised Southern won. I think you said Southern was favorite, being at right. home. Um, I guess I was surprised maybe a little bit by the margin of, of victory. It, it, and the game was chippy, as we talked about, all game. And then at the end, you had kind of that incident where um, the game's basically over. Southern player dunks the, the basketball uh, when the Alcorn player extends his hand. So we, we, we kind of gave our comments about that. But um, you being the coach, your thoughts on that ball game and then uh, – the incident and and was it too much made of it or was it right. just something that happens and have you ever been in that kind of a uh, uh, place as far as that thing happening when you were coaching all right well first of all the, the game itself i thought it was a great game i got a chance to see parts of it and uh i i didn't i expected both teams to go at it that way because you're talking about a defending champion playing a team that, that's leading the conference. So you knew that the energy and the energy was going to be there for both teams. Now, uh, the, in terms of the play, stuff like that's going to happen in, uh, in basketball. You're going to have it where uh, players are going to go at it and, you know, they're not going to stop until that whistle blows. So uh, that could be expected. And, yes, I've had plenty of things that happen to me toward the end of the game. Uh, for instance, we, we were playing somebody – and and we stopped because you know it's only four or five seconds on the on the clock, and the team went on and mm -hmm. scored the basketball. That that's happened. Mm -hmm. That that's mm -hmm. that not only happened to me; it happened to a lot of people. So that's just a part of the game. The only thing you do as a coach, you're gonna put it, and you're gonna put it in your memory bank now, so that uh, mm -hmm. when that opportunity presents itself again for you, you're gonna remember that, and you're gonna remind your players of that because now that's bulletin board material. You, that's that's a way of you giving giving your team and uh, a chance of motivating themselves. So that's just a part of it that goes with the game. Yeah, I you know I, I mean Charles talked about it. I, I was kind of disappointed, emotional guy myself. But you know, right. yeah, th th things happened, and um, you're right. That will be in the memory. And uh, right. me and Charles talked about it. I, I think they will see each other. <laughs> again <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so so uh, I, I was just shocked watching it you know watch it happen you know but hey who am I yeah. I'm just an emotional guy but I, I just I, I just kind of wish it wouldn't have happened to be right. honest with you um, but nevertheless a, a very good game and Southern University uh, defeats all corn state 80 to 68 then, then you look at that Monday Coach, you have a Jackson State game, and the big thing about that was Southern was up forty to fifteen. People were like, "Well, you know what? Throw the towel in, 
throw the damn right. towel in. But in the back of my mind, a team that got embarrassed in the first half, if they're any kind of competitors, they're going to come back in the second half. And that's what I saw. And, you know, some people have told me, wow, Southern's got to learn how to close. I can understand them having that point of view as well. But I knew Jackson State was going to uh, play much better in the second half. And um, Southern wins by 11, 73 to 62. Right. That's a rival game. So you can expect that to, you know, to, there's so many ebbs and flows in the, in the game. And you knew that they were going to come back. And you just wanted to make sure that the Jaguar fans wanted to make sure that they had enough in the tank to overcome whatever the, whatever Jackson State came up with in that second half. Yeah, I'm glad for the win. You know, it's Jackson State. It could be five. Yeah, I, I would have loved a 50-point victory. That was not the case, guys. <laughs> so you, you're right. happy with the win. Um, but Carlos, Carlos, won the other, Carlos won the other games that was uh, intriguing to me was the Prayer View and Texas Southern game. You know, mm -hmm. Prayer View going on the road, playing their rival. Game goes to overtime. I mean, that that I got a chance to watch that game. Uh, that they, that was a great game. That was a great game. Both teams went at it, and then to go to overtime and and Prairie View being able to pull away in that overtime period. Uh, nice crowd. You know that that's the kind of atmosphere that you're used to. And, and guys, uh, I, I don't know if it was Coach Pettaway or Charles. I think it was you, Coach Pettaway, said, "Watch out, Texas Southern was getting." healthier yep. um and and I, and I look at the standings they were three and six in conference um seven and 15 overall Let, let's kind of just look at the conference race we're going to watch texas southern but southern alcorn state gramlin state uapb yep. and jackson state one two three four the top five teams when when i talk about and, and when Charles talks about uh, on the men's side, this could go down to the last playing date. Are we still in agreement with that? Yes, I, I think so. Southern is not – they haven't separated themselves. And all corners right there. So it's got to go down to – I think both of these teams are going to be fighting toward the end. And Gramlin's not giving up because Gramlin know that they got a chance to play the, the people above them. So they're not giving up either. So – this race is going to go toward the end. I, I really believe that. Yeah. Um, Charles, you agree? Yeah, I, I, I do. And look, I, I was on record on this show that saying that Texas Southern was done. You know, they were 0-4 mm -hmm. when we played them. First time in 60 years that they were 0-4 to start conference play. Then they lose to Alcorn. They were 0-5. They were down 17 to Jackson State, and they win that game at the buzzer. Then they win two in Alabama. So I'm thinking, okay, they may be, they may have gotten off the mat. But then Prairie View knocked them right back down on the mat. Um, they're they're three and six. But if you look at the standings, you're three and six, but you're only one game out of sixth place. Right. And so I think if you're Texas Southern, you feel like, and they weren't healthy early on. They're getting healthier. I don't know how healthy they are emotionally, but I, I think Texas Southern is 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 right there. They still got to go to Alcorn. They still got to go to Jackson. They got some tough places to play and try to get off the mat. So I, I do think one through eight is going to be hotly contested. Uh, Bama State at the eighth seed. Even FAMU, if they get hot, we go to Florida next week. 
So I, I think that this race will be determined in the last game or two of the season. And what makes it even more intriguing, and we've been saying this, when you only play on a team one time, it's not the old days of the SWAC in which you see each other twice. We only see Southern one time, and that was last week. And so yeah. they got the tiebreaker. We got to finish ahead of them to be the one seed if it comes to that. So I think you got to add that element into the pot as well. But, you know, I, I think one through eight, even nine, you, you just don't know because teams can get hot. We knocked off the hottest team in the league in Grambling, you know, and Southern University got knocked down, and then they beat us, and Grambling was hot. They won three in a row until we, we beat them. So you just don't know which is the flavor of the day. You just have to play it out, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Pine Bluff rolls in here. No one's giving them a chance, but you know they're going to play hard, so we got to watch that game. So there, there are a lot of good basketball left to be played. Nothing is going to be determined till the end. Yep. I, I, I would agree, and I, I, I'm kind of intrigued because uh, I think before the conference season started, I think we talked about uh, who were, who was the best team. Now, I understand Texas Southern was picked to win it all, but remember, we reset, and um, we talked about Southern, Alcorn State, and Grambling. Coach Penaway, Grambling State University, I still think that they're still in the top three, and uh, they're in third place right now, six and three. What do you think about Grambling State? Just looking at them, I think they can um, get it done. Right, and, Coach Jackson has a good, right, he has a good team, and uh, Coach Jackson has a good team, and I think he's got depth, he's got size, and and they, I think they're hungry. So that's why I think that they're still in this mix. And when you look at what they did in the preseason, it tells you that that, that team came together early. They gelled early. Uh, they got their confidence going, and they're, they're a team that we, they, they're going to have to be contented with. Now, they're not giving up. They still got uh, games that, that they can win. They can play against teams uh, down the stretch with a lot of depth in there. They got a lot of depth. They wanna, they, they, their bench is probably one of the strongest that's in the league right now. So uh, I look for Grambling to be in the mix at the end of the year. They're going to finish in the top three. They're going to be fighting for that number one spot. They're not giving up. How dangerous – can this UAB, UAPB team uh, be coached better way? Well, with all those transfers, man, they're playing well, man. You know, he he, he hit the portal, and uh, he's got those kids playing. And that's why my big game today is the all-corn game uh, because they are hosting uh, Pine Bluff. You'll see what they're made of now because all-corn has always been a tough place to play in. So you'll tell a lot about where Pine Bluff is with their performance today. And then and, and they can come out of there with a win, you know that they're for real. And I think what the, what he's probably looking at, if he could just go down there and play well, he would t- probably still take that. But a victory and, and the league will be on notice if they can go in the all-corner and come out. And I think Pine Bluff is playing with house money too, Carlos. I mean, because when you look at it, you know, six months ago when we talked about SWAC basketball, did we think UAPB would be where they are right now? No. And so they're playing with house money. They can just let it – they can let it loose. Put loose and fancy free. That's kind of where they are. I mean, they have two of the top five scorers in the conference in Dawson Milton, and they play D. I mean, their, their athletic website put out a pretty good defensive scenario 
I can't remember what home game they were where they just locked it down defensively. So they're kind of like us. I think it could be a, a low-scoring game, a grinder of a game. If you get first team to 60 wins, I think, because that's just the way UAPB plays. Their coach is tough. Their tough nose, just like our team is with with a Landon Bussy and the way he coaches. So I think it's I think the intensity of this game, if you undersell the intensity of this game, you're going to be sadly mistaken because Landon Bussy's after it and playing at home. It's alumni weekend. I mean, you can easily take your foot off the gas a little bit because you're at home. But Landon Bussy yeah. takes the opposite approach. He is full tilt ready for this yep. game, considering what happened last Saturday. And because our only loss, well, one of our two losses was here on this floor. So he's full tilt ready to go today. And he, he has UAPB's respect for sure. It's right. it's In so interesting. Words, it's so interesting, guys, that you, you often hear this cliche, uh, a team takes on the personality of their coaches. And and, and, and you, you, you can see it. And Coach Bussey kind of reminds me of, of the guy on the screen here, Coach <laughs> Coach Petaway. Very, very intense. Yeah. Right. Coach Petaway, you, you seem to have mellowed out now after coaching, but boy, when the coaching <laughs> days I I, I literally was um, kind of like, wow, I don't know if should I even attempt to talk to him coming off that court. <laughs> Very no, no, that, that was just doing the game, Carlos. That was just doing mm -hmm. the game. I, I, I wore the game on my sleeve. Um, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to be intense because I wanted my team to be intense. Uh, I wanted them to get after it. I, I wanted them to uh, play for 40 minutes. And, and as soon as that clock struck zero, I was all right, just like my team was all right. And I think uh, I think more coaches are, are, are making sure that they're elevating the, the player, their players by making sure that they're engaged during the game. Uh, back during the day, old school, that was just old school basketball. That's the mm -hmm. way uh, a lot of the coaches did it. You know, they they uh, they were just intense and they, because they wanted their teams to be intense. But, uh, you know, in, in, in this day and time, you, you, have, you have to pick your shots now. Uh, because uh, a lot of the kids now, uh, they're not they're not accustomed to that. So, uh, but but it's a good thing, and and I think uh, each coach has to figure out how they have to motivate their own players. Like my coaching style was not for every player on my team because mm -hmm. you got different personalities, so you have to approach different players different ways. Now everybody was expected to do well. It's just that on the individual basis, like I would have to talk to Obi Trotter different than I would a Frank Silman. I would right, have to right, talk to Silman a, a, a different way that, than I would somebody else on the team. So uh, you have to know that's, and that's in getting to know your players. That's why it's very important that you get to know your players. So they understand you. And, and that way they'll know that there is never personal is me trying to get the best out of you. And then I think uh, once they understand that, you have a bunch of kids that'll want run through a wall for you when they see that. Because off the court, they know that I'll do anything for them. They know right. that I'm there for them. They can count on me. And and uh, I, I think that's what you gotta have more of. I thought the NC2A messed us up when they went to that 20 hour work week where we couldn't be around our kids a lot. I think that took away from that personal touch, man, because this, you know, when are you going to have time to sit down with that kid and talk to him about his family? You know, when, right. when it's not right. time for practice or time for a game, when are you, when are you going to be able to sit down and, and talk to that kid about campus life? 
when are you going to be able to sit down and talk to that kid about his mental stability? You know, the things that he's going through with your team and, and, and adjusting to college life. When are you going to get a chance to do all of that when they put all these doggone restrictions on you? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great point. Um, and, and then I, I want to ask you about this. I'm going to put a little curve, but it's still basketball related. Um, two things. I was um, listening to uh, Rob J and Daryl Asbury on the Jackson State um, Southern women's basketball game. And uh, they brought up, in particular, Daryl Asbury, he brought up something that, that I've brought up, you know, even a, a year or two ago. You have three officials, right? You have two out on the perimeter, correct me if I'm wrong, and then you have uh, one on the baseline, the under the basket. Right. Boy, Daryl Asbury was hot because there's an infraction right there, but the baseline referee, he always referred out to the per- perimeter uh, referee and and, and Daryl said the same thing you know why does he have to every time defer to the the perimeter official and coach how about the time when it was just only two officials and you didn't have that third one or am I making too much of this I I just need to let it go I guess that's it it gets me in a soapbox about let me tell you what Let me tell you what I was always told by the officials. They have certain areas of the floor that they're responsible for. Right. And they don't like cross, they don't like crossing over into another person's area. And 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 that's how you do it. But my my only concern was okay, just make sure that those areas and the areas that you all are covering are the same on both ends of the floor. You know, don't Mm -hmm. don't you know. Don't be on top of it when it's against me. Let it go both ways. You know, if if, if they're doing it the right way on both ends of the floor as a coach, we don't have a problem. Or the only other thing, Carlos, I tell you, an official can blow a call, but if that official will acknowledge that to me, I'm through with it. I don't say another word. Mm -hmm. I don't say another word. But that guy that blows that call, and then act like he didn't do anything. Or I'm going to try to take his head off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I understand, Coach Charles, but it just, I don't know. I, maybe I just need to get over it. But that, I, I almost wish it was just back the way it used to be. Two officials, but I know players are so athletic now, bigger. But and wow, bigger. that that guy's on the baseline. He, I mean, Wait a minute. He he never makes a call. He's right there. But anyway, I, I, I'll get off of that. And then Charles, go ahead, Charles. You, you wanted to say something. Well, I think I think that baseline official is looking at more so that semicircle blocking foul, charging foul type of calls. Those are the ones that they're looking at. But I, I do think that by having a fourth official, maybe maybe two on the baseline, because usually what happens. The play is away from him on the right or left side where he can't exactly get the best angle. So he defers to one of those wing officials. That's kind of what you see a lot of. Uh, because I've seen that quite a bit in which the official puts his hand up, he didn't see it, and then the wing official kind of comes in and overrules. And, yeah, from a technique standpoint, from an operation standpoint, it doesn't look good, but you want to get the call right. And I think that's that's kind of where 
you know, if the baseline official didn't see it, he defers to the one that has the best angle. So, I mean, we can agree, disagree. Coaches, and I, I agree with Coach Pettaway because our coach, Nate Kilber, says it all the time. Give If you're going to give them that call on this end, give me my call on this end. I hear it every single game, at least for the Lady Braves anyway, because I'm right there with Coach Kilbert. So, you know, Coach Pettaway is exactly, is exactly I, right I, on that one. I, I guess – I guess I'm trying to understand, and, and, and what you're saying is very well. But if it's ten, okay, he he can't see his view is blocked. Say ten times, uh, no, eight out of ten times. I I I, I don't know. I guess the optics. I wouldn't say good. eight. I would probably say out of ten oh, times, I've, maybe I've three. Charles, <laughs> Charles, Charles <laughs> You're very nice Carlos. and conservative. Uh -huh. <laughs> hey, Carlos, it sounds like that official just had a bad game. <laughs> well, I've seen it several times. You know, <laughs> I, I probably have referees sending me nasty emails now because get off their back. <laughs> but look, I understand that they're human and they make mistakes, and I know you have coverage areas, but it just see, I don't know. Maybe the the uh, the, the, the perimeter referees have better angles. It seems like it. I, I don't know. But I, right. I'll move they got more space. That. They have more space to maneuver. That baseline official, that they're limited to where they can go. Do do we need them then? Yeah. Could, could the you game survive? Wait a minute. Could the game survive? Hey, if you don't have anybody on that baseline, it'll be more mugging going on in that lane. That's exactly right. Yeah. But that's old school basketball. <laughs> okay, I, I lose that argument. I I understand. Get off, get get off, get off the third official. Um, the the other thing was Coach Woods got a technical foul. Help me out, folks. I've known the past in that little coaching box on the court, and during the game, I've seen Coach Woods. Maybe he forgets where he's at. He right. literally yep. almost gets knocked over. Well, this time, the referees, I knew it was coming. They called the technical foul on him. And it was in the Jackson State point, and that could have been a momentum changer. But I guess the emotions of everything, you know, got got to him. But um, and, and guess who made that call? It wasn't the baseline official. It was the yeah. perimeter official. Yeah. So good job, perimeter officials. I think something like that, Carlos, to me, um, it's a crew-to-crew -crew deal. There's some crews to me, I mean, we all know what the rules are in terms of being in the coaching box. That's, I think to SWAC has a little bit more of a, a lenient policy on that. I think if you get a crew that's pretty by the book, you might be warned, and then if you do it again, you get teed up. Other crews are a little bit more liberal on that. Now, the by the book, if you go by the book, you're not, I mean, most of the time, Officials will give a coach a warning on that because we all know the emotions of the game and coaches can literally be at mid-court coaching. I'm sure if Coach Petaway could be at mid-court coaching his team, he would, but that's, that's yep. not allowable. But uh, I, I think that um, most crews will just give you a warning, hey, coach, it may have been two or three times that it happened before you get teed. I have, I have yet to see a coach get teed up. Well, yes, I have. It's been a while, but it, it rarely happens, especially in our league. It rarely, rarely happens. Maybe Coach Woods was warned three or four times quietly and just, you know, and I think just that last time was enough and he got teed up. That That's kind of the way I interpret it. I wasn't there, but you don't see that too often in our league. Well, I don't right, have a problem you know, with, the, with the call. Right. 
Hey, hey, but Charles, if you know Coach Woods, now you think about it now, even when he was at Valley, he always was on the court. He, that, <laughs> that's just him. He's intense. He, he, he's in the game. And then, yes, he forgets sometimes where he is on the floor. He's been yeah. out, man, where, where the players are running before. So so that's, you know, that that's not unusual for me now because I, I've watched him since he was at Valley. And and, 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 and at Valley, Southern, when he was up at Moorhead State, same thing. That's just him mm-hmm. because he's in the game. He's trying. He's talking to his players. He's not out there after the officials now. He's trying to get his instruct his players mm-hmm. or get his players to do something, and he just happens to come out. I, I I take it back to he might he might have a flashback and think he's in practice. You know where he can just come <laughs> out. Like but but uh, uh, he's not. There's no malice. There's no bad ill will or intent when he does that. Yeah. He's just caught up in the game. That, and and that's where a good assistant will come in. He's got to grab him. He's got to grab him by the by – the, he got to grab him and pull him back. Coach, step back. Coach, step back. And then, you know, a good head coach, he's not going to have a problem with that. Coach Hayes has saved me plenty of time. You know, he, he mm. I, and I know he, he's doing what's right. You know, I might not be seeing that I'm out on the court. He'll grab my coat and say, Coach, come back, man. And he'll pull me back. And I don't get upset. I thank him. I thanks, man. I didn't know. You know, so, yeah. so maybe he, he, hey, I might need to put a bug in his assistant coach's uh, ear. Y'all need to help keep him off the court, man. But uh, that that's a part of basketball, man. That's a part of being yeah. intense. Yeah. I, I, I just don't want to see, you know, in the motion of it and you forget where you're at. And uh, a player runs by and oh, you collide. Yeah. It, it don't don't yeah, want the yeah. coach to get hurt, or yeah. or the player. But um, but for Southern Coach Woods, they are rolling eight and one on the women's side. Uh, I saw Jackson State women up close and personal, and hey, they are talented and they are tall. They're post play, and 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 Southern hung in with them for a while, but at the end of the day. Uh, they lost a seven-point game, and uh, they're just—they're huge in the post, and they can get things done. And and what kept Southern close was Southern had a, a particular uh, good game uh, from from the uh, three-point area, and that kind of kept them close for a while. But uh, Jackson State coach and Charles—they are the best team in the conference. But when you look at What's behind them? Alabama State six wow. and three, Southern six and three, Prairie View six and three, Alabama A and M six and three, Bethune Cookman six and three, and then you got Arkansas Pine Bluff five and four. There's still plenty to play for, guys. But why, my goodness, who's gonna win? Who's gonna end up second? Right. That's I, a I big question. That, yeah, that, that was a big weekend last week. Uh, Jackson State went into Grambling and won. Then, of course, they, they beat you all. I think, for me, my disappointment was in the My Lady Bulldogs. They go on the road and they drop mm-hmm. two. I, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. Uh, I Going into the weekend, I felt like they had a chance to be in second place by themselves, and, and it didn't happen. So now you, you got to make up for it. Now, you certainly cannot lose at home. Now they're playing Southern, another team that's six and three. They got to be ready to play today. They must be ready to play. And and uh, if I know Coach Richards, uh, after that loss to uh, Bethune Cookman and to Florida A&M, I think she'll probably have her, her her ladies ready to play. 
But uh, this is a big weekend for a lot of teams, and and I'm just looking forward to it. Who 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 would you have uh, as a game of the week, guys? Um, as far as on the women's side and, and, and the men's uh, for for today, Saturday. Well, on the women's side, I got I got Southern at A and M. That that mm-hmm. that's my game of the week for the women. How about on the men's side? On on the men's side, I got Alcorn and uh, Pine Bluff. Bluff. Charles. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, what I saw from Grambling, my alma mater, I mean, they just couldn't shoot the basketball, the, the women's team the other day. Um, I, I, I could not uh, envision that. Um, I would say if I'm going to look at a game of the week, I'm, I would say Prairie View and Bethune-Cookman. I mean, because you're looking at all these teams that are tied for second place. So I'm looking at that. And so I'm looking at that matchup. I'm looking at Bethune-Cookman and Prairie View. I'm looking at that being one of the big – because someone is going to leak away and and be in second place, Um, a couple of teams actually. So I'm looking at that because I I look at Prairie View as a team. Sandy Pugh's finally getting the team that's in her makeup. And then Bethune-Cookman has a, a player that our coach, Nate Kilbert, said could play at the WNBA level. Volume score, I mean, she can shoot lights out. So I think that's going to be – I would say that – I would put that game right there, Bethune-Cookman, Preview, as one of the games of the week. A long trip from Daytona to Houston. I'm looking to see how Bethune-Cookman responds after, after playing well at home against the Bama teams. And what about the men's side? Uh, on the men's side, I'm anxious to see what Southern does against Alabama State and Alabama A&M. I mean, and, and we've seen, look, I, I was going to mention this earlier, the Alcorn effect, okay? So when when Alcorn beat Texas Southern in Prairie View, I was wondering, will those teams bounce back? Well, Texas Southern did. Prairie View didn't until they beat Texas Southern. They went to Alabama and dropped two. Um and so I'm anxious to see what Southern does after winning two tough games. They led Jackson by 25 and and, and had to hang on. Uh, they led Alcorn by 17 and pulled away late. And now you go to Alabama State and Alabama A&M. I think those two teams are much improved. And if Southern stumbles and bumbles their way through those two, they're going to drop one, maybe two, and open the door again. I'm, anx- that, I'm anxious to see what uh, Southern does today at Alabama a and I'm not going to say that new arena is the dog pound quite yet, Coach, because that Elmore gym to me is the dog pound. That's the dog pound to me, as tough as it gets. <laughs> um, but I'm anxious to see, Carlos, to see how your Jaguars do today. They've got the lead there in first place, and now how you handle it. That's going to be the key when you go on the road. Coach, Coach Petaway, you see how I'm looking? Yeah, <laughs> everybody sees how I'm looking. Uh, Charles yeah. always has one eye on Southern and one eye. If I didn't know any better, I think Charles may have wished he was a Southern alum, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to always well, have in this case, Southern, Southern. In this oh, case, you got to because they're, right they're in first right. place. They're in yeah. first place, but so but you but got to. I understand. Look, I'm going to tell, uh-huh. tell you something that I really like about Charles. Charles, he's got the effect now because you think about this. Grambling, 
He had the grounding effect and the all corn effect. So he he's got both sides of Southern. He's got Southern in the middle. <laughs> so he's got he's, he's coming got, at him both ways. <laughs> he's got Southern on the he's got Southern on the brain. He's gonna always <laughs> it Southern could be on a four game winning streak. He's gonna say yes, but however, <laughs> he's always looking at he's always looking at Southern. Maybe maybe it's because he he, he wants to see me sweat a little bit. But uh, <laughs> a I, little I, bit I, of that, I, Carlos. A little bit of that, but a lot. A lot of it is the Jaguar Nation. You know, I just love the Jaguar Nation and just the passion. You know, all Knights have that passion. Jacksonians have that passion, but the Jaguar Nation has a passion that just takes it to a whole nother level, and just, they're just they're just all over it. And it doesn't matter what sport: baseball, softball, basketball, football. It doesn't matter. And I've been in Baton Rouge enough to, to feel it, to taste it. The Swag Baseball Tournament was there. So that's why I always have my eyes on the Jaguars, because at any point they can get hot and that fan base just goes crazy. And then they can go crazy the other way, too, when you're losing, like what happened in the yeah. Swag Championship game. So I, 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 feel, I feel all of that, and I appreciate and love the passion that they have, because besides Alcorn and Jackson, it, it's really something special. Well, you know, and, and and I think every institution, uh, they have that uh, rabbit fan base. You have the fan base that's kind of laid back. Then you have the young. Then you have an older fan base. It you gotta love HBCU culture. I couldn't put it any other way, especially in, in the sports world. Well, Coach Petaway, as always, it's been a pleasure. Maybe next week. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get a little NBA in. It's it's kind of interesting. The trade deadline would have happened. Uh, right. My goodness, I, I I'm still then, not happy with my Heat. I'm sorry. I'm very inconsistent. Well, Heat got to come with it and take advantage of it. I mean, they're over, <laughs> they're over 500 now, but they, they they'll have a big win like at Cleveland. Then they'll lose to Charlotte. Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, well. Bad year to be in the East. Bad year to be in the East. Yeah, well, and, and I think the East is it's actually better than the Western Conference. But right, just, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah just are. my opinion. <clears throat> and, and, and I'm still trying to uh, argue uh, with the because I'm in Louisiana, of course. Why I'm not a Pelicans fan? I, I just like the Heat. I've always have. <laughs> <Since 2000. laughs> in the West. <clears throat> yeah, yeah but the I, in the West. Yeah. But you know what? I wish they were back in the East. I think it would have been better. But then, hey, hey, they're on a losing streak right now, and uh, Mr. Williams has not yep. uh, been healthy. But it's been better than in previous years. So we'll we'll throw in a little NBA next week, Coach. Okay. Well. Watch that game to uh, this afternoon, Southern A&M. It should be a barn burner. Oh, yes. Well, we'll talk with you next week, Coach. Stay safe and continue right. to be blessed. All right. All Thank right. you. Y'all have a great day. See you, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a quick I'm time. Here. We're over. I'm here. Yeah, I'm we're, here. Yes, we're, we're overdue. We're going to speak with Willa Brown next. We're going to take a quick <laughs> time out. You're watching. <laughs> The Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become 
Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. It's like a loop machine. All around town, we're trying to get down. It's like a loop machine. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before.
smooth. Another shot. time welcome back to the Carlos brown show we'll have charles edmund rejoining us but now uh, i'm going to visit with uh willa brown director of athletics at fort valley state and as always willa it's a pleasure having you on what is going on in the world of athletics at fort valley state well uh charles you know it's, it's crunch time in terms of basketball season and uh you know we're we're no exception uh right now we are i believe tied for third or fourth in the sic on the men's side uh probably around sixth or seventh on the women's side we're young uh both ways uh new coach on the women's side uh the men's coach this is just his second year and uh, so, you know, we, we're young in the, in the coaching area, pretty much all the way around. Uh, and we're growing. We're growing. Uh, I think we have a lot of work to do on, the, on both sides. But the men are a little further along than the, than the women. Uh, we have the preseason player of the year on our roster. And uh, he, he's doing a great job. We just got to get the other guys to kind of rise up to that level. And uh, I think we've lost four out of our last five, somewhere around there. Morehouse beat us in double overtime the other day. And we're at Benedict today, so hopefully we can get back right and try to get it moving in the, in the right direction. Uh, you know, it's close to conference tournament time, so – we want to make sure we get a good seating for the uh, for the tournament. Now, Willie, you, you, your background I know is you know is athletics all across the board. Um, former basketball uh, coach as, as well, right? Yes, I, I coached college basketball for about uh, probably a total of like 13, 14 years. I uh, was a head coach at a community college outside of Baltimore for eight years. Uh, coached four years at a uh, Division II school up in Wheeling, West Virginia. I also coached at, uh, at Bowie State. So, uh, you know, been, been around a little bit on the basketball side. Kind of fell in love with 
uh, basketball, even though, you know, I'm a football player at heart and football will always probably be number one to me, but uh, kind of fell in love with the intricacies of, of basketball. So I really like college basketball and the strategizing and those kind of things that, that go along with it. Well, that and that information leads me into this. Uh, at, at being director of athletics and then with emphasis also in basketball, how tempting is it to uh, offer <laughs> advice to the coaches <laughs> or do you just stay out of it and, and, and um, don't offer any advice? I try to stay out of it, Carlos, for the most part, unless it's solicited, you know, uh, <laughs> our coaches, <laughs> our coaches know, you know, of my background, that sort of thing. And, you know, sometimes they'll stop in the office and, you know, ask my view of things or, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of I kind of give that out. But, uh, you know, it's a different day today, Carlos. I haven't coached mm -hmm. since 2001. So mm -hmm. we're talking 22 years now, that sort of thing, since I've been on the sideline and uh, the world has changed. Uh, I ain't going to say the world has changed. I'll say kids have changed. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know that they can handle my my style of coaching. I was a little tough uh -oh. on the sideline <laughs> over there. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know if today's kids. I don't know if today's kids can handle that. I was tough, Carlos, but I was fair. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I love my kids off the floor, that sort of thing. And I still got kids that call me now, uh, you know, asking about how I'm doing and, you know, what's going on, Coach Brown and all that sort of thing and stuff. So to me, that's the ultimate measure of respect. You know, when 20, 30 years ago, you know, from now, kids are still calling you and, you know, asking about you and, and wondering how you're doing and things of that nature. So. I think I did a pretty good job, but it's it's just a little tough out there now. I don't, I don't know that my style would be conducive to today's kids. I think today's kids, <laughs> I like to say, they bigger, faster, stronger, and softer. So that's my <laughs> that's my kind of like my take on on today's kids. So yeah, yeah. Well, well, well you know, guys, sometimes. Uh, I was told that sometimes the, certain kids like the, the, the tough, the discipline. Um, Coach Petaway made a point um, that you can talk to one player a certain way and another player, you you know, you couldn't. You could be tough. Like you say, you were tough. Um, your, your experience, you experienced that as well. Um, like, for example, I, I was listening to Jerry West one time. He said he could be much harsher or tougher with um, Kobe Bryant, but Shaq was more on the uh, sensitive side. So he kind of directed, he talked to him in a different way, Shaq, than, than Kobe. He could be much, much tougher and more frank with, with Kobe because he would respond with that, you know, constructive criticism, whereas Shaq kind of could be in his feelings. In your, in your coaching day, um, Coach Willer Brown, did you see any of that? I, I definitely saw that. You know, I think, mm -hmm. you know, certain kids can take, like you say, tough coaching. 
when I was a community college coach, most of my kids came from inner city Baltimore or inner city Washington, D.C. And uh, those are different kinds of kids. You know, they grow, grew up or, or, you know, in that environment. And, you know, you can go at them a, a certain way that you normally may not be able to go against kids who were raised in Baltimore County or, you know, out in Columbia or in the suburbs of D.C., that sort of thing. And so, you know, you, you had to be mindful of that all the time. And uh, you had to know what buttons you could push on each and every player. And, uh, you know, but I was, I was tough all the way around, but I knew which kids I had to build back up very quickly and which kids I could let my message just kind of stew for a while, you know, mm. so that it could really sink in like I wanted to. But uh, the, and I say soft, I don't know if soft is the word, but the quote-unquote softer kids, you know, you, you tear them down, you got to build them right back up very, very fast. Mm. And, uh, you know, if not, you know, they, they will take the messenger and not the message. I always say, look at the, you know, grab the message. Don't pay any attention to the mm. messenger. Just grab, you know, grab what it is that, that we're talking about. But uh, it's just so much of the other way around now to where kids are just so fragile now. And I see kids on the teams that, you know, that we have on both our men's and women's basketball. I see it in football also. You know, kids are just so mentally fragile now. And, uh, you know, they, they go in the opposite direction so easily. And, uh, you know, you kind of wonder – why that is because you know for the most part uh you know i like to say you know their parents are pretty much somewhere well not close to my age but you know somewhere in that vicinity and i would like to think that you know most of the parents kind of grew up with that tough love that sort of thing but for some reason did not or or did not want to pass that trait on you know, to their to their children. So it's 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 something else now. You know, it is, it is really different, really different out there now. And, and I, I, I guess... will say this, Carlos. Oh. Mm -hmm. No, no, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I will say, oh, I will say this, Carlos. You know, I've dealt with a bunch of different coaches around here, <laughs> from a Hall of Famer, Davey Whitney, who was tough, to some that were not quite that way, to a guy right now and Landon Bussey that's as straight as it comes, as hard and as it comes as focused as it comes but what he but what and we've talked about this and he and he and he is very upfront about can't take this is not the program and Charles, Charles, can you hear me? You're breaking These up players again. Players are taking the tough coaching. Now, Charles is having a Wi-Fi moment, apparently. Charles, <laughs> are you there? If you can hear me, log out and log back in. Um, but I kind of was getting the gist of what he was saying that, you know, 
being at Alcorn, uh, Will, he works with a um, a lot of different coaches, you know, and, and coaches have personalities as well. We talked about earlier that uh, teams take on the personality of their coaches. Now, mm-hmm. what I was going to ask you next is being on, on the coaching side, how did it prepare you to be a director of athletics. When I first met you, you were at Jackson State. And, and we will agree mm-hmm. that it is a tough job and, and you can't do it alone. I think it's so important to have a good quality staff around you that can help you because you can't do it all by yourself. Um, but how, how, how did it, being an athlete to coach and to a director of athletics, how, how was coaching or an athlete prepare you for uh, being a director of athletics and some of the traits that you carried over to, to director. I think, I think it's all, it's all intertwined. Carlos, no, Mm -hmm. no doubt about that. I think uh, uh, having been a coach allows me to see situations from the eyes of coaches. Uh, It allows me to empathize with them in terms of the, tough situations that they're going through, you know, the, the tough losses or, you know, the, the situations with the kids, uh, you know, trying to reach them in certain areas and things of that nature. So I, I think having coached before is definitely an asset uh, as it pertains to dealing with coaches, as it pertains to dealing with, with athletes. You know, you've seen it all, you've done it all, you've heard it all. You know, so, you know, nobody's going to come in the office and try to throw one over on you, that sort of thing, because chances are you've already heard that excuse before and, you know, you know the the makeup of the kids and, you know, having been there before, you know that, you know, when kids are torn down, you got to, you know, help build them back up, that sort of thing. And, uh, I always said a little thing, you know, kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. And, mm. uh, you know, that's, that's very, very, very true, you know, because they, they, don't, they don't care nothing about, you know, your X's and O's and your athletic prowess and all that sort of thing and stuff until they know that you actually care about them in every way, shape, form, or fashion. And those are the kids that I found that will go through a brick wall for you. You know, I mean, I could call a kid everything but the child of God, you know, but then mm. those kids knew that I loved them. They knew that, you know, if they had a problem or an issue or something like that. They could always come to Coach Brown and, you know, they knew that, you know, at the end of practice, I was taking probably four or five of them home, you know, whether it was into Baltimore City or whether it was down to D.C., that sort of thing. And, you know, so a lot of times, you know, we, we would kind of bond even more, you know, on those particular journeys, on those rides. And, you know, I mean, a lot of times I'd drop a kid off Carlos and wonder if I'm going to see the kid the next day. You know, wow. when you're going through some of, those, some of those neighborhoods and, you know, I'd get back to school the next day. And if I saw the kid at some point during the day, I'd take a deep breath and like, oh, yeah, okay. We made it one more time, you know, that sort of thing and stuff. So, 
you know, been around and, and, and have seen a lot, but I think the experience in terms of coaching has been invaluable in terms of helping to mold me as an athletic administrator. And, and, I, and I think it's a plus. I think coaches kind of respect you a little more because you've been in the fire, you've been there. You know, they, they know that, you know, you know pretty much what you're talking about and that you've gone through a lot of the situations that they're going through. And, uh, you know, come evaluation time, I, I guess it can work for you or, or work against you. Yeah, but, but the bottom line is, you know, still got to check those boxes off, Carlos, and, you know, see where yeah. we are and, and, and make sure, you know, I's and T's are dotted and crossed in terms of the evaluation process. And, and, and Willer, you've heard me mention, and we've had uh, discussions before, um, I guess it's not for everybody, but how, how tough of – a job it is being a director of athletics. And, and back to my earlier point, um, you've been on different levels. How how important is it that to have a, a, a staff? And I would uh, uh, look at it as the same way if you're a head coach of a particular sport. You're as as good as your your staff. And, and, and do you need that staff to to kind of push? Well, I'll use the term push back, but just not a yes man or a yes lady that will give you valuable uh, feedback. You gotta, you gotta have that Carlos. You know, I've always said that, you know, and an athletic director is only going to be as good as the people that he's allowed to surround himself with. And that goes for coaches that goes for, you know, your lower level administrators, your SWA, your compliance people, you know, your assistant ADs, your uh, sports information folk, I mean, your financial people, I mean, the whole nine yards. The athletic director is only going to be as good as those people that he's able to surround himself with. And one link, one weak link can can sink the ship. You know, there's, there's no if ands, and buts about that at all. So, you know, a lot of times as an AD, you go into a situation where, you know, you're pretty much inheriting what's there, that sort of thing. And so Mm -hmm. the onus is on you to go in and go in with an open mind, you know, not listen to what everybody has to say about this person or that person. You know, those first two, three months, Carlos, you're really going to be in there trying to find out what you have not just what you have from a coaching point of view, but what you have from an immediate staff point of view. You know, who brings what to the table, that sort of thing, and, you know, what, what kind of value do they bring? But can you trust them, him or her, number one? And, uh, you know, do they have your best interest at heart? More importantly, do they have the best interest of the university, of the department at heart? You know, so, you know, while a lot of people think that it's about hiring and firing of coaches, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's much deeper than that. And when folks ask me what's the toughest part of being a director of athletic colors, I tell people all the time, it's being able to separate the business side of things from the human side of things, mm-hmm. you know, because... You, you have to be able to draw that line 
even though they intertwine for the most part, yeah, you know, like I tell folk, like right now, my men's and women's basketball team travel on the same bus. Okay, and that's from the business side of things. But the human side of, of me wants to put them on separate buses, you know, simply so they can stretch out and, you know, relax, that sort of thing and stuff. And, you know, so somehow, you know, sometimes you can't separate the two. Yeah, so what I try to do now is for long trips, when I say long trips, we're talking like four hours or better, you know, I try to put them on separate buses, you know, but if it's a short, short trip, like, you know, take maybe about an hour and a half to get to Atlanta, that sort of thing, you know, put them on the same bus, you know, so you try to find that happy medium in between, you know, but, you know, when you're at an HBCU, you know, and, and you know that funding is limited in nature, you know, you have to try to find creative ways to, to stretch the dollar, to make a stretch, you know? So it means that, you know, where in some instances, you probably would like <laughs> to buy new uniforms uh, every year or every other year, that sort of thing. You know, now you find yourself trying to stretch uniforms for, you know, two years, maybe three years before you get a new set, you know, all that sort of thing. And so, you know, those are things you have to, you have to be mindful of, you know, at, at the same time, you know, athletics or it's supposed to be the front porch of the university. And so, you know, my mantra is that I want our kids looking nice all the time. Yeah, somebody will see Fort Valley State for the first time at a basketball game. And so I'm mindful of what vision or what view they will take from having been at a Fort Valley State University basketball game. You know, so I don't want my kids, uh, my basketball teams riding up in 15 passenger vans because I don't think that's a good look. You know, when mm -hmm. they pull up in front of the arena, getting out of vans, that sort of thing. You just lost two recruits right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, so if they see you getting off of 55 passenger bus, that sort of thing, even though you may not have a dime, Carlos, you know, at least mm. if you're looking like you do, you know, it may help to sway somebody in terms of driving them to your school. And not maybe not necessarily as an athlete, but as just a regular student. Yeah, so yeah. people that see Fort Valley State for the first time, you want them to be able to take a certain picture back with them, you know, to the point where somebody will say, hey, you know, let me check out Fort Valley State. Or, you know, and that's why your website is so important. You know, that's why all those little small things that a lot of people don't pay attention to become very important because they are, they're selling points for you. That's very interesting. We're visiting with uh, Willa Brown, Director of Athletics at uh, Fort Valley State, now joined back by uh, Charles Edmund. And, you know, guys, a lot has been said, by the way, Bethune-Cookman, that situation uh, with a new football coach. But if I could, Willer, if you were in that situation as Director of Athletics or if they would consult with you, and you talked about perception. 
How can uh, Famu? How can Bethune Cookman um, kind of get that perception back where it's a, a a good look? And if you were the director of athletics at uh, Bethune Cookman, uh, what would be the first plan of attack to 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 get things to where they should be? Well, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. Number one, mm-hmm. no doubt about that, because you've already stepped in it. So now, you know, you're trying to clean off your shoes, that sort of thing and stuff. And, you know, trying to get the ship up, upright. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the first thing is to, is a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to build a locker room in a day. So. You know, it's, it's not going to happen, you know, but you want to appear that you're taking steps in the direction necessary to give the appearance that you're going to address the issues that may be there. So the thing with the uh, uniforms and, you know, all that sort of thing and uh, uh, where they're being kept and, you know, all the things that go with that, you know, you, you got to rectify. Those are things you can rectify right away. Yeah, and you can put a better spin on that. You can order, you know, new uniforms. You can order uh, enough helmets so that everybody has their own helmet if that's an issue. You can order shoes so that kids aren't sharing shoes and, you know, things like that. You can... Uh, 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 improve facilities to be able to, you know, wash the clothes and, you know, those things you can, you can take care of right away and you can give the appearance that, you know, we, we're going to move in, in the proper direction. So, you know, those, those are first and foremost, you know, they're, they're going to have to do a bang up job in terms of publicity wise. They're going to have to open those doors up and allow folk to come in and see what's going on and see the progress. And, you know, they, they can't, you know, you can't hide these things, that sort of thing. And, you know, so they're just going to have to uh, put the best face forward and, uh, and, and let's, let's ride through it and, and, and get it done. You know, but it's not something that can't be done. Bethune was winning uh, prior to the last couple of years. You know, when mm-hmm. Jenks was it when when Brian Jenkins was the coach, I think he won like three MEAC titles in a row, or you know something to that effect. So, I mean, when Alvin Wyatt was the coach there, they did a lot of winning. So, I mean, even with the handicap circumstances, yeah, you know, they were still winning. So, you know, there's no reason why they can't get back to winning. You know, why they continue to improve in the areas that they're going to need to improve on, you know, in terms of, you know, all the issues that have been put out there, you know, for, for, the, for public consumption. So, but it, it's going to take a concerted effort, a collaborative effort on everybody's part. And uh, everybody's going to have to roll up their sleeves and, and, and just go get it. You know, stop listening to the chatter, you know, stop listening mm-hmm. to the nonsense. And, uh, you know, let's, let's go to work. Let's get to work. You know, and I think if everybody takes that attitude, I, I think they'll be back in the swing of things before you know it. Well, Will and Charles, I have an interesting uh, 
question because you 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 have people saying that 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 they're shocked, they disagree with hey uh, AD that's also doing a uh, uh, dual roles basketball coach and director of athletic guys is it important uh, more important to have just that single role uh, ad just being an ad than you know having dual roles it, it, is that important how important is it or is it not I- I- important what what do you guys think I think well, it's critical. Oh. Uh, for uh, I'll just jump in quickly. For, okay, uh, and, and and of <laughs> course Wheeler's in it, so he he knows how this stuff works. But you know Reggie Theus is the basketball coach slash AD, and you know to see him juggle all these balls over the last few weeks about that situation, I, I kind of feel for him because you know he's trying to win basketball games. And yet he's got to deal with this situation, which is probably a 30 hour a day, 380 days a year thing. When you're talking about cleaning up the image, cleaning, cleaning up the football program, which has won probably with some of the same circumstances, but they just had good coaches and good talent to get through it. Um, I, I, I think it's I think they need to separate it. But I also respect and understand the financial challenges, if there's any, um, in terms of if you're going to pay an A.D., X amount of dollars, and then you got to pay a, a basketball coach another X amount of dollars. So they're trying to kill two birds with one stone. I don't know if that's just a professional philosophy. I don't know if that's just financially. They're just tied up to where they just can't do it. I don't know. You know, Reggie Theus being a Hall of Famer and bringing him on board, I guess maybe you could save a few dollars by making them dual roles. I don't know. But it, it now with what's going on, they're, in my opinion, and, and again, I'm an HBCU product, I think you have to separate it. I think you've got to have an AD, do the AD role like a Wheeler Brown, not be a coach, a coach just to be a coach. I think that's what has to happen going forward. With And that hasn't been discussed either too much other than on social media. I mean, I do think that needs to happen. The question is, will it happen? And I would say probably right now, Bethune-Cookman, just my guess from the outside looking in, no. I think that's not going to change unless somebody drops a dime or a quarter or a dollar to separate it to where you just got one person doing one, another person doing another. But I, I think it is time to answer your question. It is time to separate it. It's been time. I don't think you have that in too many places. And the swag, it used to be that way. Eddie Robinson was the AD slash football coach back 30 years ago but those days are long gone it's time to it's time to separate that thing and i hope bethune cookman does that because i think it'll be in the best interest of everybody at that university and, and charles is exactly right carlos no doubt about that you got to separate those two positions there's not enough hours in a day just to before an ad yeah and when you throw in the basketball coaching duties i mean it's just it's got to be overwhelming for, for Reggie Fear. And I'm sure it was, as Charles said, it, it was probably a financial a financial situation. You know, it was easier for them to combine the two salaries in order to probably be able to pay this guy, uh, you know, what they felt that ultimately he was worth, that sort of thing. But, you know, if, if you're not able to be fully staffed in terms of, assistant ADs and associate ADs and all that sort of thing. If 
if you don't have somebody else that's helping to run the day-to-day operations of the department, and then they're expecting you to go out and raise monies and things of that nature also, you just can't do it all and, and be a coach too. Something is going to suffer. You know, you're going to lose a handle on something, whether it is uh, from your AD role or, or from your coach's role. I don't know what Bethune's uh, men's basketball record is right now. Uh, you know, it's got to be, you know, got to be suffering a little bit, you know, because of exactly what's what's going on. And, uh, you know, you got to separate, you got to separate those positions. And as a matter of fact, I think the NCAA pretty much frowns on uh, the dual roles. You know, they don't have a, a law, quote unquote, against it, but they really frown on uh, ADs being coaches and, you know, things of that nature. You may see it a little bit more on the Division two and maybe Division three level. But, you know, from a, from a Division One level, you know, they, they definitely uh, uh, don't like that particular look. And uh, something's going to skip. Something's going to be missing there, you know, while they still are, are doing that. And at some point in time, they're going to have to just find the money necessary to separate the position. You know, and, and if you're a coach, it's only natural that your mindset is going to be towards your particular sport. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I may slide a few more dollars uh, towards basketball. If I'm the AD and the basketball coach, you know, as opposed to sliding those dollars to track or cross country or volleyball or something like that, you know, and, and the co- uh, coaches of the other sport got to feel that way also. So, you know, it, it, it's a catch-22 there, you know, in terms of that, that situation. But they, they're probably going to have to separate it at some point in time. Just, just don't know when and where right now. Yeah. Well, I'm in agreement. Uh, I asked the question and uh, wanted your comments and perspective on it, but I also agree. Um, you you, you got to have a single role. The director of athletics, they're going to deal with athletes and have to have a great staff around them to get things done. A basketball coach has to be a, ba- a basketball coach. Now, sometimes I understand, understand things happen on an interim basis. You may have a dual role, but that's for only for a short point of time, a short term. But full time, no, it, it, it's not going to be uh, productive as all. Guys, closing comments. We got a minute left. Charles or Yeah, Charles. Oh boy, Charles having Wi Fi issues again. Looks like <laughs> Um Well, Willa, you go ahead and maybe maybe we'll get days. Charles back. Go ahead, Willer. Okay. Closing comment. Uh as always, Carlos, I'm grateful to, you know, be a part of your show, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, looking at the Bethune Cookman situation, I'm glad that, you know, the madness has quote unquote stopped and you know, they're trying to return to some sense some sense of normalcy. I will say this though, Carlos, you know, everybody puts a lot of stock on National Signing Day, which just 
transpired, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I get called, I'm getting calls now in terms of, you know, well, Fort Valley ain't, you know, sign a whole lot of kids, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm telling folk right now, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. You know, yes, sir. and on our level, on our level, if you sign in a bunch of kids during the early signing period, okay, you can't put a whole lot of stock in that. Yeah, because what we want to do on a Division Two level is wait until the big boys have, you know, picked through everything and the dust has settled and, you know, the good kids have decided that I'm not going to Alabama now, I'm not going to Alabama State. Maybe I can take a look at Fort Valley State now and see what they, you know, what they're offering and what they're bringing to the table, that sort of thing. So, you know, our, our best work is yet to be done. And I'm sure a lot of the Division II uh, coaches feel the same, as well as some of the FCS uh, Division One guys. You know, yep. I, I think we all kind of feel. I, I, I understand. Willer, it's been a pleasure having you on. And I look, I, I, I'm not going to be able to get to it, but next week I promise – Southern's 2023 signing class. Uh, we'll we'll put that up early for you. Once again, I want to congratulate Coach Roger Kador and Ricky Weeks being uh, introduced into the National College Baseball Hall of Fame. Also, Southern University Lady Bowling Team four and one on uh, day one of round two. I want to thank our guest Charles Edmond. Coach Van Petaway, Willa Brown, and producing Melody. Appreciate everyone uh, watching. Make sure you tune in next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time for another edition of the Coles Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless. (laughs) 